A Protocol for the Safe Use of Hazardous Drugs in the OR by Hemingway and others Abstract Hazardous drug, HD, use in the perioperative environment poses unique challenges and risks for exposure that can have adverse consequences for perioperative personnel. The United States Pharmacopoeial Convention has implemented new standards to address the safe handling and administration of HDs by healthcare workers. To comply with these standards and minimize perioperative personnel's occupational exposure to HDs, a multidisciplinary team at an academic medical center in Boston that was performing an increased number and variety of operative and other invasive procedures using anti-neoplastic agents updated their protocol for the safe use of HDs in the OR. This article discusses HDs and the risks they pose to healthcare workers and outlines the new HD safety protocol for the OR that was part of a performance improvement plan to ensure compliance with new standards and staff member safety in the perioperative setting. Perioperative personnel are increasingly caring for patients who require hazardous drugs, HDs, mainly antineoplastic agents, via unique methods of administration during operative and other invasive procedures. In the past, a small cohort of surgeons at Massachusetts General Hospital, MGH, used chemotherapeutic agents in the OR. However, in recent years, the number and type of surgical procedures that require HDs at the facility has increased, leading to surgeons ordering a wider variety of HDs for surgical patients. In concert with this increase, there is a broad range of MGH personnel, including nurses, surgical technologists, pharmacists, and environmental services staff members, who encounter HDs while transporting, mixing, or administering them, or while cleaning HD spills or areas where HDs have been used. The U.S. Pharmacopoeial Convention is a nonprofit organization that uses scientific research from both the public and private sectors, for example, industry, academia, government, to guide their standard-setting process and is responsible for setting the quality and safety standards for all medications used in the United States. The National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, NIOSH, identifies HDs according to specific criteria, and the U.S. Pharmacopoeial Convention sets the standards regarding the health and safety of healthcare workers, HCWs, in relation to HDs. The National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health continues to revise and expand the list of medications that are classified as hazardous. These HDs must be handled in accordance with a U.S. Pharmacopoeia, USP, General Chapter 800, USP 800, standards which the U.S. Pharmacopoeial Convention published on February 1, 2016 and began enforcing on December 1, 2019. To implement these requirements before the December 1 deadline, a multidisciplinary team of nursing practice specialists, NPSs, and pharmacists at MGH convened to update existing practices and develop a new protocol for the safe administration of HDs in the OR. Developing a comprehensive perioperative nursing practice protocol and educating staff members about the safety protocol required a collaborative effort involving this team and other staff members from the perioperative, pharmacy, 
and occupational health services departments. Hazardous drugs. In the USP, medications are categorized into various classes. The classes that are the most pertinent to surgical patients are non-sterile compounds, USP 795, sterile compounds, USP 797, HDs, USP 800, and radiopharmaceutical compounds, USP 825. The USP 800 delineates standards that institutions must adopt to minimize their staff members' occupational exposure to HDs. An HD possesses at least one of the following properties, carcinogenicity, teratogenicity, or developmental toxicity, reproductive toxicity, organ toxicity at low doses, or genotoxicity. Additionally, any new medications with structure or toxicity profiles that mimic any of the actions of existing HDs may be classified as hazardous. The 2016 NIOSH list of HDs comprises three general categories, antineoplastics, non-antineoplastics, and reproductive hazards. At MGH, antineoplastic agents are the most commonly used HDs in the OR. Occupational Exposure There are more than 200 HDs commonly used in healthcare settings, all of which have the potential to harm HCWs. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, approximately 8 million HCWs in the United States, including perioperative personnel, pharmacists, and environmental services personnel, are at risk for detrimental exposure. The American Cancer Society predicted that 1,762,450 new cases of cancer would be diagnosed in the United States in 2019, and the CDC estimates that 650,000 patients undergo chemotherapy in outpatient settings each year. Healthcare workers are not immune to a cancer diagnosis and are at risk for the sequelae and necessary treatment resulting from accidental exposure. Pharmacy technicians and oncology nurses are the most likely HCWs to handle HDs, for example, chemotherapeutic agents. However, with the updates to the NIOSH HD list, more medications classified as hazardous may be used on various patient care units, affecting a wider range of personnel. In healthcare settings, personnel may be exposed to HDs while receiving, dispensing, wasting, compounding, manipulating, for example, cleaning spills, or administering them. Potential exposure risks specific to the perioperative setting are listed in sidebar 1. A national survey conducted in 2015 identified a lack of adherence to HD safe handling standards. Approximately half of the nurses and pharmacists surveyed reported that they had not received training on safely handling HDs within the last 12 months. The participants reported that the most common form of learning was via on-the-job instruction. This lack of education is concerning and highlights the need for a comprehensive education plan that a multidisciplinary team reviews on an annual basis. The risk of an HCW experiencing an adverse effect from an HD depends on several exposure factors, including...
1. Dosage form, for example, liquid tablet aerosol. 2. Route of exposure, for example, contact with skin, contact with eyes, inhalation through nose. 3. Frequency, duration, and magnitude of exposure. 4. Work practices, for example, labeling, storage, handling. And 5. Presence or absence of personal protective equipment, PPE. Effects of occupational exposure. Typically, when a physician prescribes antineoplastic medications for a patient with cancer, the physician and patient have decided that the benefits of using the medication outweigh the risks of side effects for the patient. However, an HCW who is repeatedly exposed to the same medication during compounding and administration may experience only adverse and non-beneficial effects. Although the adverse effects of system absorption for patients receiving HDs are well known, there also is a growing body of evidence indicating that occupational exposure to HDs through dermal contact, inhalation, ingestion, hand-to-mouth, and injuries from needle sticks or glass shards can have harmful effects on HCWs. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration and NIOSH have both acknowledged that occupational exposure to HDs can have deleterious effects on HCW's health, and researchers have documented the risk of exposure to HDs and the resulting adverse health outcomes for HCWs. Hazardous drug exposure can result in a range of conditions from acute to chronic. According to NIOSH, exposure to HDs may result in health issues, such as skin rashes, infertility, spontaneous abortions, congenital malformations, and leukemia and other cancers. Repeated exposures may increase the chance of HCWs experiencing harmful effects if they do not protect themselves by adhering to occupational safety recommendations. As knowledge is gained regarding the potential dangers of HDs, the development of procedures to ensure a safe environment for HCWs has become more pressing. Employers are responsible for outlining HD handling procedures and instituting educational programs, but employees are responsible for their personal protection and should complete competencies and maintain strict adherence to standards. The USP 800, Standards for Handling and Administering HDs, offer more protection for the HCW. However, perioperative personnel may not be familiar with these guidelines. Performance Improvement Plan Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston is an academic medical center with 58 ORs. Facility personnel care for approximately 36,000 surgical patients each year across all surgical specialties and employ more than 200 perioperative nurses and 80 surgical technologists. There is a satellite pharmacy located among the ORs in the semi-restricted area, that has dedicated OR pharmacists and pharmacy technicians who support perioperative patient care. Increasingly, the patient population requires antineoplastic medications categorized as HDs as part of their surgical procedures. As healthcare providers and leaders, we have a responsibility to adhere to compliance and regulatory standards continually to ensure a safe environment of care for our staff members and patients 
our multidisciplinary team created a plan to incorporate the USP 800 standards into our existing workflow by developing and implementing a new protocol for the safe use of HDs in the OR. We had two goals for this HD safety protocol. The primary goal was to protect our employees from unnecessary exposure to HDs that may cause future health issues. And secondly, we wanted to implement these standards before the deadline as recommended by the USP. The USP 800 standards for the administration of antineoplastic HDs include specific guidance indicating the tasks that must be performed and how to carry them out. The new standards that apply to the OR include the use and disposal of PPE and the storage and transport of HDs. Adherence to these new standards in the perioperative setting requires a thorough assessment of current practice. For the initial assessment, a group of nursing and pharmacy leaders convened to evaluate the existing work practices pertaining to HD handling. We reviewed the following. 1. List of HDs used in the perioperative setting. 2. Workflow for transporting HDs from the pharmacy to the OR. 3. Method for storing HDs in the OR before use. 4. Different methods for administering HDs during different procedures. And 5. Exposure risks during each procedure involving HDs. Our review revealed a variety of surgical procedures that require the administration of HDs. Surgeons at MGH perform hyperthermic intraperitoneal chemotherapy, which uses mitomycin C. Urology surgeons have been using mitomycin for several years as a bladder installation. During suspension microlaryngoplasty, surgeons at MGH may inject bevacizumab in the vocal cords to treat laryngeal papilloma. Also, MGH pediatric surgeons schedule intrathecal installations of cytarabine and methotrexate for children with acute lymphocytic leukemia. For transarterial chemotherapy embolization, a new procedure, the surgeon administers bleomycin to cauterize the blood vessels before tumor resection. Finally, although it is not for antineoplastic indication, members of the burn and plastic surgery teams inject keloid scars with 5-fluorouracil intralesionally and administer it topically to reduce hypertrophic scarring. Our existing workflows met all previous standards. However, we needed to adjust to incorporate the new guidelines, that is, USP 800, into our practice. Additionally, although the ORs constitute the largest procedural area in MGH, the new protocol also needed to be applicable to other areas of the hospital in which personnel handle or administer HDs. A Protocol for HD Safety in the OR The MGH OR Nursing Practice Committee, which comprises NPSs, perioperative RNs, and surgical technologists, was instrumental in operationalizing the plan. As part of the new HD protocol, the OR committee developed specific guidelines to address the following. 1. Transporting HDs from the pharmacy to the OR. 2. Storing HDs in the OR before they are administered. 3. Alerting staff members that HDs are being administered in an OR. 
Four, providing and storing PPE for handling and administering HDs in the OR. And five, providing and storing spill kits in case of an HD spill. The MGHOR pharmacy does not compound HDs. Instead, a pharmacist retrieves the compounded HD from the Central Oncology Pharmacy and delivers it to the OR pharmacy. The HD is clearly labeled with the patient's name and the medication's name, dosage, expiration date and time, and status as a high-risk hazardous agent. See Figure 1. When the medication is needed, the RN circulator contacts the OR pharmacy and the OR pharmacist brings the HD to the OR. For transporting HDs to the OR, we require a labeled bin to hold the medication to avoid cross-contamination of any trace of HD residue on the medication bag. Personnel should store HDs safely to minimize the chance of spills and breakage, for example, glass bottles. After the pharmacist brings the HD to the OR, the HD remains in the bin, and the RN circulator places it in a segregated area on the nurse's desk until it is time to administer the medication. It is important that the RN circulator does not remove the HD from the bin before placing it on the nursing desk, or any other area, so that potential surface contamination does not occur. It is also important for all staff members to know that HD should not be commingled with non-hazardous medications to limit exposure of trace contaminants. At MGH, the RN circulator posts a sign on the OR door when an HD is being administered to limit OR traffic and warn personnel who may enter of the hazard. See Figure 2. Personal Protective Equipment Unintentional exposure to HDs can occur via inhalation, absorption through the skin, direct contact, hand-to-mouth transfer, or injection. The use of PPE while administering HDs is important to reduce exposure to aerosolization or contaminants on surfaces, including syringes, IV bags, furniture, and the HCW's hands. See sidebar 2. The USP 800 requires that personnel handling HDs wear gloves that meet American Society of Testing and Materials standards. When administering injectable antineoplastic medications, personnel should wear protective gowns that have been tested for and demonstrated permeability resistance. However, the level of gown required is left to individual institutions to delineate in their specific policies. Because currently there is no standard for sterile gowns and options for sterile and non-permeable gowns were limited, we chose to use level 4 sterile gowns. The gowns must have a back closure, long sleeves, and closed elastic or knit cuffs. Isolation gowns worn over surgical scrubs are not appropriate PPE for handling HDs and can increase an HCW's risk of exposure if hazardous materials are spilled on the gown. Personnel should wear goggles, face masks, and any other necessary face protection, for example, beard covers, hoods, when there is a risk for unintentional exposure to an HD or HD residue. At MGH, all OR team members at the surgical field wear eye protection, but the MGH HD safety protocol requires that all individuals in the OR, 
including personnel who are not scrubbed in, wear goggles and masks or masks with face shields when administering or in the vicinity of HDs. The use of side shields with regular eyeglasses is not acceptable because these will not provide adequate protection. Personnel should wear a surgical N95 mask during HD administration when there is a risk for aerosolization. If an HCW has not been fit-tested for an N95 mask, he or she will need to wear a powered air-purifying respirator. In addition to wearing the correct PPE, the USP-800 standards require that personnel use a closed-system transfer device to administer HDs when the dosage form allows, for example, for injection. Before leaving the OR, personnel should remove and discard PPE worn while handling HDs and HD waste to avoid contamination of other areas. Personnel should place all PPE in disposable items, for example, surgical drapes, IV bags, into the proper waste container at the site of the HD administration. Spill Kits The most important considerations for managing an HD spill are quick containment and preventing spread. Our process for cleaning spills is a long-standing and universal procedure that is delineated in the Nursing Safe Handling and Disposal of Hazardous Medications Policy available to all MGH employees. Although our spill kits have been available and used for spills of various substances, as part of the new HD protocol, we now require personnel to have a spill kit located near the area in which antineoplastic HDs are stored and administered instead of keeping them in a central location. At MGH, there is no limit on the number of spill kits that personnel may use to contain and clean an HD spill. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration recommends facilities have a spill cleanup plan in place for personnel who may need to clean an HD spill. It is important to educate these specific employees about proper spill management and the use of appropriate PPE during cleaning. Staff members receive regular reminders about the locations of spill kits and education on the cleaning process. If a spill kit has been used, personnel are expected to replace the kit after use by obtaining a new kit from our central supply. Storage Solutions The MGH-OR Nursing Practice Committee requested portable carts to keep all supplies and PPE readily available for procedures requiring HDs. See Figure 3. We then compiled a list of the products needed for these carts. Items that should be readily available when providers are administering antineoplastic chemotherapy include a key